Luke chapter number 9, and begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. Verse number 4. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Father, I pray that you'll bless your word once again tonight. Help our hearts and Lord, give us ears to hear. And I pray, God, that we'll not just be hearers but doers of the word. May you be pleased with our worship tonight and may we glorify you in everything that will be said and done. I pray, Lord, that you uh, would once again bless our nation, bless our churches. And dear God, I pray that you would uh, watch over us during these days and we'll thank you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number one where the Bible says, Then he called his twelve disciples and you know tonight to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, there has to be some things uh, uh, in our life. Number one, I want you to see uh, in verse number one that there has to be a uniqueness in our life. The Bible says that he called 12 disciples. Now, I understand that these were the 12 disciples that was to follow Christ and serve him and they were to be his mouthpiece, not just uh, during the life of Christ, but even during uh, the book of Acts and certainly God used them. But the point proven is, is that every disciple of Jesus Christ is unique within himself. In other words, God saved you and he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. You're not just a statistic in heaven, neither am I, but God works on an individual and he works on a personal basis just as our creator uh, made us uniquely uh, apart from everyone else so it is even in our Christian life amen uh, God has a will for my life but God has a will for your life and you know that gives me comfort tonight to know that he didn't just save me for the sake of saving me but he saved me and that God uniquely uh, wants to work in my life as well as he is working in the lives of others amen and so to be a disciple. There is a uniqueness and then uh, uh, there is a unifying. Notice verse number one the Bible said that he called his twelve disciples together. Amen. In other words Jesus is bringing them together. And can I tell you something Christianity tonight should not divide us but it ought to bring us together. Amen. Now, I'm all for taking a stand and I do not believe in ecumenicalism. I, what I mean by that I'm not holding hands uh, uh, with men uh, of other other faith that are not of like faith uh, and I'm not just going to associate myself. Uh, I do believe in ecclesiastical separation. I'm not going to uh, just associate our church with another church that does not believe the doctrines uh, that we believe. Isn't that right? The Bible says how can two walk together except they agree together and so you can't hold hands with everybody but at the same time uh, I don't want to fall into the other ditch uh, where that all about being saved and being a Christian is is to see how much I can divide with everybody else around me. I mean, there are some people, uh, listen, they don't, have, they don't have the spirit of God, but they have a spirit of, uh, of being contrary with everything. They're, they're always looking for something uh, that is different rather than what everything else is. Uh, can I just say this? Uh, let's just believe the Bible, amen? 
around. Let's just stick with the facts. Let's just stick with the doctrine, amen. I don't need to try to find something that, that, that is beyond everybody else or something that, uh, you know, that it, it is different and stands out. Let's just stand for the old book, amen. And that's what's right. And in a church, uh, we ought to remember that we've got to be unified in the good times and in the bad, amen. When hard times come, we stick together. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, when trouble comes in a church, uh, uh, don't divide and don't side with somebody else. Uh, you side with the church. You stay with what's right, amen. And what I mean by that, if your best friend or if your family member got crossed up with the church, you know what you can do? You can love them where they're at, but don't listen to the garbage that they try to put in your ear. Isn't that right? I, I, listen, I, as a pastor, and nobody does this here, and I thank God for this, but as a pastor, I, listen, I wouldn't do well, do too well if I sit around and listen to the latest gossip going on in the church. Isn't that right? You know, and as far as I know, there's not any gossip going on in our church, and I, I'm glad I can say that. I thank God for that. I believe that uh, the, the people we got are working together. It doesn't mean that we all agree on every little thing, but we do have unity. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, and God is pleased with that. And the Bible said, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But you know, some churches, they cannot get along. Is that right? I don't think I could pastor a church like that. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think they'd vote me out. I'm just, I'm just, either they'd vote me out or I'd vote all them out, amen. I mean, it'd have to go one way or the other. Man, I couldn't go to church every Sunday uh, with, with half of the crowd mad at the other half of the crowd or they're mad at me. I, I, listen, I'm like this. You get mad at me, we're gonna settle it one way or the other, amen? If I gotta hunt you down like a bloodhound, I'm gonna do that. We're gonna sit down and, and we're gonna fix whatever the problem is uh, and get, get it done and get it over. Is that right? Uh, and we're gonna go on and serve Jesus, amen? I don't believe in these holy grudges, do you? I don't believe in these uh, uh, not speaking to each other, that we have to work together and pull together, and to be a disciple means that that there is a that there's a unifying, amen. And then there's an unction. Notice what he said that he gave them power and authority over devils uh, and to cure diseases. And so uh, Jesus gives his disciples uh, an unction. He gives them a power. Now we have that power today. That doesn't mean that we can go out and cast devils out of people, and it doesn't mean that we can go out and heal people. Uh, those were uh, uh, kingdom miracles and we understand that and those were for the times, amen, but we do have the power, the same power that they had and that's the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, amen. You got to remember, they were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit like you and I are uh, because uh, uh, Pentecost had not yet come, uh, Calvary had not yet come uh, so you can't build doctrine, uh, uh, listen, church doctrine in the gospels, amen. Uh, listen, I know the word church is found in the gospels one in the gospels one time but may I say this tonight when you think about this there is an unction that God gives to us that are saved tonight amen and so there's an unction there's a unifying there's a uniqueness and then Jesus to be a disciple he gives them an understanding and in these verses tonight in verse number two down to verse number five Jesus gives them an understanding of what they're to expect to be his disciple. Now I want to say tonight, I understand that in the context 
uh, that uh, we know that that they did their uh, to be a disciple and their task in this context is not the same as our task today. We know that they were called for a specific time, just as you and I tonight were called for a specific time. Isn't that right? Uh, not every disciple serves at the same time. These disciples served in their day, the life of Christ. Uh, we're serving in our day, the church age. Uh, every disciple is called for a specific time. And then listen, every disciple has a specific task. Isn't that right? The Bible says in verse number two that he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Amen? And so they were preaching about the kingdom of God. And we have a different task. And the church is to preach the, the grace dispensation. We're to preach, the, my friend, the grace of God as Paul preached that. We're to preach to the church age. Amen? And so every disciple has a different time. Every disciple has a different task. But every disciple, look at verse number three. This is where we're headed tonight. Every disciple has a different trail of life that they go down. Look what Jesus said. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey. Take nothing for your journey. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on how to have a successful journey. How to have a successful journey. You see, Jesus is about to, he gives them an opportunity in verse number one. He calls them to be a disciple. He gives them an obligation in verse number two, and that is to go and to preach the kingdom of God. And then uh, he lets them know that there's going to be opposition in verse number five, that not everybody is going to be happy with what you're doing. But he tells them in this text here uh, that he wants them that there's some things uh, that you need to know and there's some things that you need to understand tonight in order to have a successful journey. Now, success is not within ourselves, isn't that right? But having said that tonight, it is not the will of God that we fail, amen? God wants us to be successful in our Christian life. And when I use that word, I, I use it loosely because what I mean by that is God wants us to, to please him. He wants us to, to do his will. He wants us to live victorious. That, that is what real success is. And so uh, tonight Jesus is sending them out on this journey here, but he wants them to be successful. You know, there's a lot of people tonight that, that I'm sure they're saved and I'm sure they love God, but they're not very successful when it comes to living a Christian life. I want to tell you tonight, God wants you to put your best foot forward when it comes to serving God. You say, oh, but preacher, I can't live a Christian life. Christ will have to live it in me, and I understand that. But do you realize in serving God, this is twofold. There's a part of serving Jesus that I can't do. He'll have to do that through me. But then there's another part that God will not do for me that I must do for myself because we're not robots. We're not mannequins. Uh, uh, God will help us, uh, but we have to put our best foot forward. We have to serve God. There's a journey of life that God has laid out before us and God does not want us to be slothful. He doesn't want us to be lazy. He wants us to give him our best. Isn't that right? And Jesus knew that, that if they were going to be successful in their journey, they was going to have to understand some things. I'll give you an example tonight. No father sends his son out to mow the yard that has never mowed the yard, never ran a lawnmower. No father sends his son out and says, boy, go out there and mow that yard, and he's never even used one. Now, the boy can't cut the grass by himself. Somebody say amen. 
the engine on the mower does all the work. Isn't that right? But guess what? And I know we're living in a different day. Self-propelled, amen? But before that day, listen, you had to push. I know some of you young people don't believe that. But you had to push it. And some of you remember before that day when there was no engine on that mower. It was just a whole bunch of blades, amen? And you really had to push. Isn't that right? Now, the mower did the work, but you had to do the pushing. And can I tell you, when it comes to living for God, the Holy Spirit can do the work, but you and I got to do the walking, amen? You and I got to do the pushing. We got to put forth an effort. But you know what that father will do with that son? He'll take him out there. He'll show him how to crank that mower. He'll show him how to, how to, how to mow a straight row, amen? He'll show him, listen, how to, how to mow and throw all that grass in one section so you don't lump it up. Somebody say amen right there. And he'll, he'll show you how to cut that yard the right way. He'll let him understand his expectation. He'll have an understanding of what the will of the Father is. And you know, if you and I are gonna be successful on our journey in serving God, well, as I said this morning, you gotta keep your nose in the book, amen? You gotta understand what the will of God is for your life and receive the instructions that God has given us from our Father. A lot of people in life are looking for miracles. And while I believe in miracles tonight, why would God give us a whole host of miracles when he's gave us a whole bunch of message? Is that right? Y'all still with me, aren't you? Y'all hadn't got the coronavirus while I was preaching, have you? Okay. Listen to me. You know what? I believe in miracles tonight. But God don't want me to spend my life searching for miracles. A lot of people say, boy, if God had just, if I could just go down to that altar and if I could just really get everything I needed uh, in that, uh, on that altar, I mean, boy, if God would just zap me really good, uh, then I could really live for God. It don't work that way. And don't miracles help you like that. God gave you a message. And God said, if you want to be successful on your journey, you got to look at my, at my message. You got to listen to my message. Hey, if the disciples were going to be the disciples that he called them to be, and if they were going to do what he called them to do, they had to listen to the instructions that was given or their journey would not be successful. And I'll tell you tonight, if you think about what Jesus told them, and then you think about what they did in verse number six, the reason they were able to, in verse six, to do what Jesus gave them the power to do, in verse one and two was because they received the instructions. They followed the instructions that was given. I'm gonna tell you if you'll receive these instructions, if you'll follow these instructions tonight, you know what? You and I can be successful on our journey, amen? I want you to notice tonight that number one I see here that I see the faith that was in this journey. Jesus said in verse number three, and he said unto them, take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. Now, when Jesus mentions these things here, he's taking these things out of their life because he's wanting them to learn that the first lesson of serving God on this journey successfully is you've got to learn to live and to walk by faith, amen? That's those staves represented their security, those staffs, uh, those scripts. It represented their storage. It's where they put things in. And Jesus, oftentimes, that's where their money went. And Jesus is teaching them, you're gonna live by faith, not by mammon, amen? And then he talks about their bread. That's their satisfaction. Uh, their money is their supply. And then their coats, uh, uh, that talks about their stock. Jesus didn't say you couldn't have a coat, but he said, don't carry two with you, amen? In other words, in this life and 
on this journey while you're serving me. Don't attach yourself to everything. You can't serve me effectively if you're trying to drag all this baggage. Even though it is good things, it will bog you down in serving God on your journey. Do you know tonight if you and I are not careful, we can let the things of life, even the good things, bog us down. I don't think there's nothing wrong with a man owning a gun. Somebody say amen. I think a woman ought to own a gun. Amen. I mean, I, I, think, I think everybody just about it ought to have a gun in this day and time. Can I get a witness on that? You say guns, people owning guns make me nervous. People not owning guns makes me more nervous. Is that right? But here's the thing. I don't think there's nothing wrong with owning a gun tonight. But I don't want to get so wrapped up in something like that that it takes all my time, my money, and my energy. Is that right? I want to say tonight, I don't think there's nothing wrong uh, uh, with people owning nice things and, and having nice things in their home. And, and listen, the, I think if God blesses you, you ought to have those things. If, if you can afford them and pay your tithes and, and pay your bills, and, then there's nothing wrong with that. But listen, if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, we'll let all the things of life, if we'll get so cluttered up, we'll get so bogged down with all the things of life, uh, it'll hinder us on our journey, amen? And we'll be begin to put our trust uh, in the things that we have uh, rather than live by faith, amen. You know, some of the best things that ever happened to some people was when they lost some of the things they had. I met a man one time, I'll never forget this, we was in Baltimore, Maryland, in a mission downtown, and there was a man there that night, we was in that mission and probably 300, uh, uh, probably 300 uh, uh, people staying in that mission that night, it was packed out, I want to tell you something. Uh, listen, they, they would come in, they would hear preaching, and then they would get a shower, they would get fed, and they would get a bed. And so uh, we was in that service that night. Never will get, I never will forget. I got through preaching, and there was a, a man that came down to the altar. There was some other people over there in the altar. But this one gentleman, I, I can still see him in my mind. He had a, had a, a, a dirty polo shirt on and so, some blue jeans that had the holes tore out in them. And uh, he was down there, and he was just weeping and, and crying, and there wasn't anybody to, uh, to really talk with him so I just slipped down there and I started praying with that man and I'll never forget he looked at me and he said preacher he said you think I'm a bum don't you I said I, I don't think you're a bum he said oh he said I know he said I look like a bum he said but I'm not a bum he said I used to make $400,000 a year on my own insurance company he said because of alcohol he said I lost my wife I lost my children he said, and finally, I lost my business. He said, I lost everything I had, filed bankruptcy, had nowhere else to go. And he said, he said, for two years, I've been living on the streets. And boy, I'm telling you, he's weeping. I'm feeling sorry for him. But then he said this. He said, but the best thing that could ever happen, happened to me. I said, what's that? He said, I got saved about six months ago. And I thought he was in the altar needing to be saved. He said, I ain't got two nickels to rub together. He said, but I got, and I got a whole lot of regrets. He said, but I'm the happiest I've ever been in all my life. And he said, I just come down here to the altar to thank God 
for saving me and not giving up. When I had wrecked and ruined, his wife had already remarried, his children were grown, and he said, I've, I've ruined and wasted everything, but he said, I'll just be honest, well, I'll never forget this. He said, I really don't need anything. He didn't have anything. He said, I really don't need anything. He said, I'm just glad to be saved. And he said, I get to come to this mission at night and said, I get to hear preaching. And he said, I get a, a place to eat and get, get a good shower. And I thought to myself, how many of us would be just thanking God that we're living on the streets? How many of us tonight would just be thankful that we didn't have anything left? You say, well, I don't understand that. I'll tell you the only way I do understand that. When you've been drugged so far to the bottom and you've been drugged so far deep in the dregs and the mud of sin and it looked like there would never be no way out and you were drowning in your sickness and your sorrow and a hand reached further down than what you could ever reach up and it pulled him out of that quicksand of sin. I'm telling you, he's just glad to be alive. He's just glad he didn't sink. He's just glad he's not going to hell. You say, what was that? That's faith, hallelujah, amen. And if his journey, I never saw him again, but if his journey was to live on the streets the rest of his life, he had something that was more precious than diamonds and ruby. He had faith. Can I tell you something tonight? I thank God for faith, don't you? I thank God that God gave every man a measure of faith. And I'm glad tonight that only by God's grace, I'm thankful that I didn't waste that measure of faith. I'm glad that I didn't deposit that faith in the false gods of this world. I'm glad I didn't deposit that faith in the bottom of a bottle somewhere or at the end of a joint or in my veins. I'm glad I didn't put that faith into some false god of this world or some false idol. I'm glad a long time ago, 32 years ago, I took that little bit of faith and the Holy Ghost came to where I was and he knocked on my heart's door and he said, son, if only you'll believe. I didn't know really what I was doing. All I knew, brother daddy, is I needed, I deserved to go to hell and I knew I didn't want to go there in the best way I knew how. I put my faith in the old rugged cross and the shed blood of Calvary. And can I tell you something? The best thing that ever happened to me and the best thing that ever happened to you, you know what it was? It was faith. It was faith. God gave you the faith and you took that faith and you trusted him and it started your journey hallelujah I like that old song they sing I started a journey a long time ago amen I believe I'll just go with God hallelujah through the good times and through the bad and my friend when the way is up and when the way is down the best thing that ever happened to me was to pillow my head at night and to hear that still small voice whisper and know that I am his and he is mine I'm talking about the faith on this journey amen you know how I know I believed cause I'm still believing tonight do you believe God? Do you believe in his son tonight? Is it real to you? That's faith. That's faith tonight. Brother, if you're saved, you have that faith. When hard times come, look, who what, look at who people put their faith in. It'll tell you what they believe. And our faith is in him. I see the faith in this journey. That's my friend. If you're gonna have a successful journey, you're gonna have to learn that the foundation is to put your trust in God. And then secondly, I see the fervency in this journey. Look what he said in verse number four. And whatsoever house you enter into, notice this. He said, there abide 
and thence depart. The fervency in this journey is this, is that Jesus said, I don't want you to take anything with you. And when you go in somebody's house, he said, I want you to abide and then I want you to depart. In other words, what Jesus is saying to them, I don't want you to settle down there. I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to strap yourself. You're gonna visit some people that's not gonna like you. You're gonna come across some hospitable people that you're gonna enjoy fellowship and have a good time with and you're gonna wanna be with them, but you can't stay there because you got a mission. You got a journey. You've got something you must be about your father's business as our Lord said. And so when you go in, you gotta remember, you're just there for a little while. And can I tell you something, in this walk of life, uh, we're just here for a little while. What's happened to too many of God's people is that they drove our tent stakes down too deep in this world. And friend, uh, listen, if we're gonna serve God, we must be busy. We must stay where God wants us to stay. We can't afford to settle down in this world. Jesus said, go in and go out, go in and go out, go in and go out. Can I tell you something? Serving God requires busyness. Amen. You look at a church where they're not doing anything. I'll tell you what you have tonight. You have a complacent church that is dying. Do you realize tonight you can have a lot of good people in that church, but if your church isn't doing anything, and I'm talking about the right things, amen. I'm not talking about having a, having a baseball team in your church. Somebody say amen there. I'm not talking about having a bowling league in your church. I'm not talking about that kind of busyness. I'm talking about the work of God. I'm talking about a visitation program. I'm talking about Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. I'm talking about Sunday school. I'm talking about having those, nothing wrong with those other uh, extracurricular activities that we have uh, and, and fellowship, but you take a church that isn't doing anything, it's a dying church, friend, amen. I don't care if they shout and run the aisles and jump the pews every Sunday, you mark it down. Uh, listen, it doesn't matter if they're hanging from the chandeliers uh, and hooping and hollering, I'm for every bit of that, you know that. But if that's all we got, if it don't ever get outside the door and if it don't ever get to the door step of somebody that doesn't know what we know tonight, then it's of no value to eternity and God whatsoever. God didn't save us to shout, and you know I'm for shouting, but God saved us to serve, and if we'll serve, we can shout, amen? I think you can have the best of both worlds, don't you? I like it when it gets on. I like it when people testify, and people shout, and they praise God. I don't want a dead funeral service to you, but what I'm saying tonight, we've got to be fervent and fervent in our service, Amen. You know, some people are fervent in worship, not many even in that. But when it comes to serving God, they're not too, too fervent. I'm not talking about elderly and I'm not talking about people that, that are providentially hindered, but I wouldn't give you a nickel for somebody that shouts all the time and could never come to a work day in the church. Can I get an amen? Or somebody will shout on homecoming and they won't bring a covered dish, but they'll eat everybody else's food. Are you all with me on that? Now, I'm not talking about visitors. Or, or, they'll, or they'll leave their dish for somebody else to clean up. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. I'm just, I'm just preaching. I'm just, talking about, I'm just talking about lazy church members. You know, they never, they'll see a piece of paper and they won't stop and pick it up. They'll just walk past it. And then they have the audacity to come to you and say, hey, preacher, you know, it needs, the floor needs vacuuming. Hello. Y'all with me out there? Y'all got so quiet, I just thought I'd preach mean a little bit and wake some of y'all up fervent. I mean, don't sit on a pew like a slug, amen? Do something. 
Serve God. Get involved. Don't, don't have a, a basket full of excuses as to why you can't never do anything. Uh, have some fervency about it. Get involved in your church. Uh, you don't have to have a title, a trophy, or anything like that, but just be involved. Uh, don't you thank God for people that, 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 that vacuum and clean the toilets in this church? Can you imagine what the church would be like if we didn't have people like that and people that mow the yards and, 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 trim, the, and trim the hedges? They do need trimming right now. Amen. Uh, but you know what? Uh, don't you thank God for people like that. They do work around the church. You know, everybody has a responsibility. And tonight, Jesus said, if you're going to be successful, you've got to have some fervency. Then lastly, I want to say not only the faith in this journey, the fervency in it, but what about the focus? Because Jesus tells them in verse number five, and whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. You know what Jesus is saying in this text, this verse here? Don't let the people that don't receive you bother you. Shake it off and go on and look for those who will. Can I tell you, serving God, there's going to be rejection. In serving God, there's going to be ridicule. In serving God, people's not always going to, to agree with what we believe and what we teach and, and what we do for that matter. But just shake it off. You've got to learn to shake off when relatives don't like your standards. Amen. You've got to learn to shake it off when they, when they make little pop shots. You've got to learn to shake it off when somebody down at the job says, oh, well, you're one of those kind of Christians, you know? And they try to act like you're, you're Amish or they try to act like you're some old fogey, you know? And, and they say little snide remarks. You, just, you, don't, you don't get in a debate with those kind of people. You don't ruin your testimony. By, or answer not a fool in their follies, what the Bible says. You just shake it off and, and you go on and you live your convictions in front of them and you don't waver. You don't make an excuse for it. You don't owe them an explanation. You just owe them the gospel and you owe them a good testimony and you just live right and you do right and whatever they say you just let it go and some will look and some will see and their mind will be changed and others uh, you'll never change their mind but here's the, the truth of the matter you can't win every battle you can't win every brother and you can't win everybody but you can go on and keep your focus on what you're supposed to be doing and be faithful and serve God you know apparently Somebody really got mad because we canceled Jubilee. And I had a preacher call me this afternoon. He said, have you seen what they're saying? I said, not really. He said, well, you, you know, and I said, I don't really care. We're talking about one moron. Is that right? Just one that has nothing else to do but be a social media warrior. And they're mad. <laughs> And I had my wife check, and she said, they're not even on the list. I said, well, blackball them. They're not coming, amen. They want a room in June, amen. They can get a prison cell, but they ain't coming here. Is that right? I'm not worried about somebody like that. I'm not going to waste my time or my breath on somebody. Just shake it off and go on. When somebody don't like that you're King James only, shake it off, amen. You don't gotta argue. I'm not gonna argue about the King James Bible. You know when you're right, you don't have to defend nothing, amen. Just keep on being right, isn't that right? Let Listen, everybody, anybody running around all the time trying to prop up what they believe and say, we're right, we're right, we're right. They must not be too secure in what they're right about. I'm gonna tell you, that book's right, amen. I don't have to worry about it. All I gotta do is preach it, believe it, read it, stand on it, share it, amen. And if any 
anybody ever gets a hold of it, they'll know it's right. Isn't that right? Amen. I'm just simply saying tonight, you got to stay focused. In these last days, uh, you can't let influences uh, pull you in the wrong direction. I'll say this tonight. Well, that's what's happened to our con- with the contemporary movement. They're influencing our young people. They're influencing our parents. You hear me tonight? I mean, you, you stand firm on what you believe. If God ever convicted you one time about it, he should never have to tell you a second time. That's right. They'll make fun of the way that we dress. They'll make fun of the kind of music that we have. But we believe it tonight. Do we still believe those things? And I want to tell you, there's no apology about that tonight whatsoever. I, I, don't, I think they're Pharisees to the other side of what they believe. But you know something? Believe in the Bible don't make you a Pharisee. Tonight I think about the focus. You know what the focus is? Let's win souls. Let's tell people about Jesus. You know what the focus is tonight? Right there. That's the focus. And I'm going to tell you, hell's going to fight you as a parent. Hell's going to fight me as a pastor. Hell's going to fight you as a Sunday school teacher over that right there. That's what the contemporary crowd wants. They don't, want our, they don't care if we sing our redback books. They don't care if we're King James only. Contemporary crowd, they don't care if we, if, if we stand on the, We can scream King James every Sunday. They don't care. You know what they want? Right here. If they can get this, you know what they can do? They can change old-time religion, one gray-haired saint at a time. Brother, I'll tell you, there's a purpose. There's a determination. And my heart is a, there was one in my heart as a parent, but now there's even more one in my heart as a pastor. By the grace of God, I want to pray for the young people, don't you? I want to, pre- I want to preach their hide off, amen? Thank God, hey, yeah, I know y'all like that, but I want to preach the hide off every one of y'all because somebody preached the hide off of me. It kept me in the right way. They called sin out. They named sin. I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for that. Don't you thank God for that? I want them to hear the same old-time leather line, straight-back preaching that we heard growing up. They need to hear that. I'm going to tell you something, parent. Don't you get weak, don't you? Hey, listen, you keep... Keep your focus right. You stay in that. You live a godly life in front of them. Don't give in to everything. Don't give them things that are serpents in their hands and in their eyes. Teach them, train them, love them, pray for them. Stay focused. And that's what we do if you want to have a successful journey. The Bible said in verse number six, and we'll close here. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The obedience to the command that was given. Tonight as we stand, as they give us a song ready, I think about that little little song that we used to sing in Sunday school. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. How true that is tonight. You want to please your father, you want to please the Lord, you want to have a successful journey, it's very simple. Obey, obey God, obey his word. Don't just believe it, but obey it. Put it in action tonight as our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians praying tonight, if you need to come, would you obey God if he speaks to you? I want to have a successful journey. I want to be what God would have me to be. And I want to do what God would have me to do while Brother David sings. If you need to come, you obey God tonight.